0: Genesis chapter number 6. Genesis chapter 6, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 8. Genesis 6, verse number 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. Tonight, I'd like to go ahead and just talk about this subject. I've titled the message, God's Answer to a Corrupt Society. God's Answer to a Corrupt Society. Let's go ahead and ask the Lord's blessing upon this evening. Father, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for the joy of the Lord. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I just am grateful that I can be around other Christians Though we may go through some difficult times and some hardships, we know that ultimately there's great joy in the things of God. And I pray tonight as we open up this passage of Scripture and talk about this particular individual that you called, I ask, Lord, that you would guide us and help us really to reflect upon what you have for us here today. And We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen so we're doing a study here in the book of genesis we've titled this in the beginning and uh, what we're doing is we're going through genesis 1 through 11 and we're trying to go ahead and pick through these chapters and talk about what did god establish for various things what did god establish as far as marriage is concerned what do we see in the beginnings as far as god's creation did god create or did things evolve well we see that creation really is god's method and he created everything that you see including you and I and God did create a very beautiful world it was a wonderful place God has established all the beauty of creation and then establishing here the first two people that he created Adam and Eve and place them in this wonderful garden but sadly two chapters pass by and all of a sudden we come to chapter three and Adam and Eve sin in the garden and are barred from the garden of Eden well, as we pass on and move on in history, Adam and Eve are now outside of the garden. Two angels are, are barring really the entrance to the garden. And then all of a sudden the first sin after the garden now is the children of Adam and Eve where Cain goes ahead and kills Abel. Murder takes place. And from there, that is of Cain's seed of his generations after him, all of a sudden we begin reading about this very corrupt society. And we read about this society becoming so corrupt. In fact, verse number five of the chapter that we read here, I think summarizes this very corrupt society. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Sin had such a grip on people. That the thoughts that they had, everything of their imagination was only for evil. But one really cannot help to understand that this sin carries with it an awful penalty. It carries with it the penalty of death. In fact, separation from God and then death. And we read through chapter 5, we've gone through this, how striking it is to read about that one individual bears a child, that child grows up and that child dies. Before that child dies, he has another son, and then that son grows up and he dies. And on and on through chapter 5, we're gripped with this aspect of death and sin and being carried about to each person. But I want you to realize as we come to this aspect of, and we've been dealing with it the last number of weeks, this corrupt society, God is not caught off surprise by this corrupt society. I hope you understand that we serve a God that knows everything that's going on. God doesn't all of a sudden wake up one day and say, Oh my, the world is a mess. I don't know what I'm going to do. No, God has everything absolutely under control. This whole scenario in Genesis chapter 6 that we read about does not leave God in a bind. God never arranges for this behavior, nor does He encourage the corrupt society All of what we're reading in chapter 6 is a result of the sinful decisions and the sinful nature that mankind has. But what's wonderful about God, though He does not encourage it, though He does not initiate this, God actually has a solution. And that solution is wrapped up in what we read in this passage of Scripture through a man. God always has a man for the times i want you to think about this god always has a man for the times would you say that phrase with me ready god always you think through scripture and just look at what god did when the children of israel were under such tight bondage in egypt and began crying out to god to deliver them who does god send to them moses When Moses dies and the children of Israel need a leader to lead them through into the promised land, who does God select? A man by the name of Joshua. When God begins to form the nation of Israel and and brings about the aspect that Israel now is going to have a king, yes, they have Saul and Saul disobeys God, but God has somebody selected. In fact, it was beyond even human comprehension the the prophet Samuel coming to the family of Jesse and looking at the big strapping brothers and thinking, well, there's that one and there's that one. And they go through seven of them and they come to the eighth one and this young boy comes through and God says, that's the man right there that I'm choosing. You think about Daniel. God raised up Daniel Here it is, all these Israelites have been carried away into captivity, they're away from people that they know, the land that they love, and they're in this bondage, and yet God raises up Daniel to help lead his people towards the things of God. When God's ready to go ahead and get the gospel out beyond the Jewish land and out to the Gentiles. God selects a man and saves him in Acts chapter 9 and in Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas are now traveling out getting the gospel. Can I say to you, God always raises up a man for the task. And I want you to think about this today, God is still calling on men today. You know, I was looking at a verse once again today, Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. The times were so difficult in Ezekiel's day that God is saying here, I sought for a man from among them that should make up the hedge. In other words, there was such a gap in what was going on that God was going through the children of Israel saying, is there some man, I'm looking for somebody that will stand in the gap, and yet he couldn't find anybody. And may it not be said today in this time, may it not be said of Calvary Baptist Church, would it be that God would look across and could find some man or some woman or some teenager or some child and select them and they'd be obedient to the call of God in their life? Why we read about Noah is because Noah had a call of God in his life in such a wicked time and Noah said, yes, sir, God, I will follow you. And so here God calls Noah for their specific task. And let's unveil this biography, this short biography of the life of Noah and see God's answer to a corrupt society. Notice, first of all, in verses 8 through 9, Noah's character. Noah's character. Well, it's interesting to see the assessment of God in verse number 8. Let's look at that again, verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, sometimes we read that and we go... Oh, yeah, Noah was a (laughs) goody-two-shoe. Noah was this guy that, you know, he just didn't do anything wrong, and he just had something that nobody else had. Now, I want to tell you something about Noah. It's not that Noah had anything favorable within himself or any good within himself that all of a sudden God said, oh, yeah, I like that in Noah. Noah was no better than anybody else, no better than the grace of Almighty God. And I want you to understand that it wasn't because of Noah something internally, and it wasn't because of his heritage. I mean, we read through chapter 5 and 6, yes, we read about the ungodly line of Cain and through Lamech and the wickedness of that line, but then we read about Noah's line, going all the way back to Seth and that godly line. But I want to say something to you. Noah did not find grace in the eyes of the Lord because of his godly heritage just because he came from a godly line does not mean anything i love what somebody said one time god has no grandchildren you see god deals with you specifically you may have grown up in a christian home but you know what had to happen when you became an adult you had to decide for yourself whether you would serve god And God, people can't just piggyback on their parents and their grandparents. Look, there are some people that I've met that have a wonderful heritage, but if those people were going to serve God, it was a decision they had to make. And I believe Noah was one of those persons that had to make a decision for himself. And really, what set Noah apart, why he found grace in the eyes of the Lord, that is, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, He was different than those around him. When you read about this corrupt society, you read about the wickedness, we've already seen some of the things that have been discussed. But what did Noah do? Noah said, I'm not going with the world. I'm going with God. May I say today, we need people in local churches today that say, I'm not going with the world. I'm not watching what they're watching on television. I'm not buying all those magazines. I'm not taking hold of this activity. I'm not going to these places. I'm not involving myself in these activities. I am following God. That's what Noah did. But Noah discovered, if you will, he found, discovered the grace of God and he latched onto it. Noah had access to God in his day and grabbed onto it. Think about this. Noah was able to learn from a man by the name of Enos. That was Noah's uh, 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 grandfather, or, or I'm sorry, that was Adam's grandson for the first 80 years of his life. So Noah's able to learn here from the grandson of Adam. And what do you think Adam passed to his child and to his grandchildren? But all of what he learned in the garden, follow God. Make sure you have fellowship with him. Make sure that you prescribe to what God says. Make sure you do what God tells you to do. And that thing that was passed to Noah's son and his children and his grandchildren, I think they gave to their children coming down the line all the way here to Noah. I hope that you see and understand how important it is as far as children are concerned. And how important it is to understand the value here of what we see in verse number 8. People today are not born again because they are physically born into a Christian home. Just because people go to church, tithe on their income, serve within the church, does not mean that they are saved. People must see for themselves that they are sinners and personally in need of a Savior. And I believe that what Noah received from Adam's grandson and all the rest of the line ahead of him, Noah came to a place where he said, I want what God's offering. And I believe he accepted God's free gift that was given. But now notice verse number 9 further about the character of Noah. Noah, There's three things that are listed about Noah here, characteristics that I note. First of all, look at verse number 9 these are the generations of Noah, Noah was a just man. A just man. Now what does that mean, just? Well, literally it means that he was a man who patterned his life after the standard of God's holiness. In other words, Noah was a man who was careful to meet his obligations before God and meet his obligations before men. Now, we use a particular word, like the word just, we might use also the word righteous. But I want you to know something here, that Noah was a man that was just or righteous before God. How so? Well, Noah found out that his standard of living ought to be God, not the world. Noah had all his hopes and expectations in God, and not what he could get out of the material possessions that he owned. Noah made sure that he, his life was a clear witness to the grace of Almighty God. And he was just, a righteous in his generations, but he was just before God, but he was just and righteous before men. It's amazing how many people think they're okay with God when they're not right with fellow men. I want to tell you today, husbands and wives, you better begin treating your spouses right because if you don't treat your spouses right, you're not right with God. You're not right with your spouse. You're not right with God. You cheat out your employee, employer, employee. You cheat out those who you work around. I want to tell you something. You may think you're right with God and sit in church and say, well, look at me, I'm going to church. But until you get right with fellow man, you're not right with God. And Noah was a just man because his dealings with everybody else around him, nobody could go back to Noah and say, that man did me wrong. Now, he might have done something wrong, but Noah made up to it. You know, it doesn't mean we're perfect. I love it when people make a mistake and they go back and say, you know what, I, I, I messed up. I flubbed up a little bit. Would you, would you forgive me and can I make this right with you? That's a great way to be. But Noah was just and right before fellow man and before God He found grace in the eyes of God. Notice number two in verse number nine. He was perfect in his generations. Now, sometimes the word perfect gets us a little messed up here. This doesn't mean that he was perfect in the sense that he was faultless or had no sin. The only one who was like that is Jesus Christ himself. But this description of Noah in this way has to do with the idea that he was blameless before his contemporaries. In other words, we might use the word today, he had integrity. Those two words we often use, I've used one already, uh, the word blameless, and then I've just recently here just used the word integrity. Blameless has the idea of no accusations can be brought against a person. Integrity carries with it the idea of being whole, W-H-O-L-E. Do you realize integrity is to the soul what health is to the body? Integrity has to do with a person's character. The philosopher many, many years ago, Aristotle, said, character is determined by choice, not opinion. I learned a long time ago, as far as a pastor, people have a lot of opinions about me, but I've got to know what my character is before God. And I've got to make sure that I stay right with God and I stay right with people. Biblical character finds its, nat- finds its source in the nature of God rather than the behavioral patterns of other people. And I think that biblical character here is a reflection ultimately of the character of God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, the Sermon on the Mount that we've been studying here. Blessed are the pure in heart. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9. He that walketh uprightly walketh surely. So here's a man by the name of Noah, perfect in his generations, blameless. May have made some mess ups with people, but you know what? He made it right. Had integrity. Walk through, but notice the third characteristic, and it says here that in the end of verse nine, and Noah walked with God. Now this phrase is used in the scriptures a lot, and we talk about it as if we just, you know, everybody would know about what. What is walking with God? Well, walking with God is this idea of a fellowship of a friendship with God. It involves moving in the direction that God is moving. Now, when God calls a person to make a decision, you have a decision to make. Am I going to take those steps and am I going to go with God or am I going to stay where I am? Often when I walk and my wife and I will walk together, it's nice that we can walk in the same direction and we walk together and we can talk and we can spend some time together. That's the way it is with God spiritually. As two people physically on this earth will take steps together and will go from one point to another point, God desires that we take steps with Him. See, today you're either going to take steps with the world... You're going to pattern your life after the world. You're going to follow the dictates of the world, the philosophy of the world, or you're going to follow God and walk with Him. And I tell you what I vote here tonight, I want to walk with God. I want to follow the God's way. And so walking with God, as far as Noah's concerned, I believe was encouraged because Noah was able to watch and to learn from all the examples around him of his family. Think with me for just a moment, Noah's father, Lamech. Lamech knew Adam for the first 56 years of his life. Now, when Lamech was born, Noah's 874 years old. That's pretty old, isn't it? But at 874, I think Adam began instructing Lamech, Noah's father, on how to walk with God, how to fellowship with God. And he shared with him what he missed out in the Garden of Eden. Lamech in turn taught his son Noah the way that he must walk and I want to tell you God has a way of preserving for the generations what must be done as far as sanctification and holiness and how important it is as I read these chapters I firmly believe that Adam and Seth and all of those children Began teaching their children how they must walk with God, and every child made a decision for themselves that they're going to walk with God, and the same must be done today. You and I must preserve the truth for our children. Just turn on the news and see what's going on in our country. Some of the greatest battles, I think, in the next year and have already been over the last four years, have been school boards. Isn't it amazing? the battles that are taking place, and the things that are being pushed in the public school. I mean, it blows my mind away to think from the time I was in a public school as a young boy to what is going on today, drastic changes in our world. And it is imperative as we have our children's ministry It is important as we work with moms and dads and families and grandparents who have a lot of influence with their grandchildren that we help them and guide them in the process because we have a whole world out there that is pushing garbage in our face and we need to hold up the Word of God. We need to give them the Word of God and challenge them to live for God and no doubt Noah's contemporaries who were godly his heritage his godly line helped him and you and i must do that as well but i think about noah's grandfather methuselah the oldest man 969 years old his name means the idea when he dies it shall be sent now what an interesting name was given Basically, name, Methuselah's name is this, that when Methuselah dies, the judgment of God is going to come. I've often wondered, as i thought about Methuselah, I wonder if people, when he got older, just kind of sat around and thought, okay, when's this guy going to kick the bucket? I mean, you know, when this guy's done, the judgment is coming. But no doubt, understanding, Methuselah, that is, understanding the significance of his name, I believe he instructed Noah. Noah, judgment's coming. And soon, when I'm gone, you've got to stand up for God. But there's another one in Noah's line by the name of Enoch, Noah's great-grandfather. He died much earlier than all the other people, died 69 years old, or 69 years before Noah was born. And yet the grand heritage of walking with God was passed down. Because what does it say in Genesis chapter 5, verse 24? And Enoch, what does it say about him? He walked with God. So what's he doing? He's passing on to the future generations. You must walk with God. And so no doubt we come to Noah. And what does it say about Noah? He was perfect in his generations. He was a man who walked with God. That was Noah's character. Now I want you to notice Noah's contemporaries. Two sets of contemporaries that are around Noah. First of all, Note his evil contemporaries. Chapter 5, 6, we've read about it. It's amazing what this means for Noah to walk with God in the light of the culture he lived in. You know, we have a New Testament verse, Philippians 2, verse 15, that says that ye may be blameless and harmless as sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. And I say to you today, it is possible for you to have a clear testimony in this world. It bothers me when people say, well, it's just hard to live for God. Sure, it's hard to live for God in any generation. I don't care what generation you live in. But I know we're living in this time, and we look at all the wickedness, and we see what our society is doing. But if Noah can live for God in that time, you and I, who are born again, can live for God and shine as lights in this dark world. It can be done. Not because of who you are, but because of the God who dwells inside of you and gives you the power to live for Him. But it's interesting to look at these verses, the description of this world in which Noah lived. Look here in verses 11 through 12. Notice how the word corrupt is used three times. The earth also was corrupt. Verse 11. Verse 12. God looked upon the earth, behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted. You think the world around Noah is corrupted? Yeah, absolutely. Look at verses 11 through 13. Twice the phrases used, the earth was in verse 11, filled with violence. Verse number 13, the earth is filled with violence. So I want to tell you here that Noah, amongst the evil contemporaries around him, found a way to shine as a light for God in a violent, in a corrupt society. But I think about Noah amongst these evil contemporaries, he found a way that he could trust God and find that God's way is truly best. How amazing amongst these evil contemporaries it's so bad that God says he's drawn all things to a close. Look at verse thirteen. God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me. Pretty amazing that God's patience had finally come to a limit. But God's limit may have come in this way, but He still made a way for people to take hold of salvation. You say, but God, and we're going to talk about this in the weeks to come, but yet all those people died in the flood. God judged all those people. I want to tell you, for approximately 100 years, God gave people an opportunity to turn to Him. As Noah had a hammer in one hand, he was bellowing out with his voice on the other side and telling people, there is a judgment coming. Turn to God. Turn to God. But I want you to notice not just the evil contemporaries, but notice the godly contemporaries. Verse number 10 mentions the sons of Noah. Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, we're going to get in down, down the line here, and we're going to talk about where these three sons went, the nations that came from these three sons. But let's just talk about them for just a moment right now. Naturally, these three children we read about, they had wives. Noah had a wife. And sadly, there's only eight people that are alive on the ark. But all eight of them are saved in the ark because of their personal faith in God and in his way. Now, what's amazing about these contemporaries is we think, oh yeah, they're, they're, they're little kids. You know, Noah kind of brought them by the hand and brought them up into the ark. No, I want to tell you something. Genesis chapter 5, verse 32 tells us Noah was 500 years old when these boys were born. At 600 years old, the floodwaters began coming in. So these children are anywhere from maybe 80 to 100 years old. They're grown adults. They have the ability to make a decision for themselves. Do I want to go in the ark and follow God? Or do I want to stay with the world? And what do they decide? They and their wives decide to follow God. And I believe here that it is important that as Noah... Built an ark and taught his children what it meant to walk with God in the midst of a corrupt society. How important it is for you and I to recognize the value and importance of training our children. Oh, it's so valuable. If you're here today and you have children in your home, take every day and take it as from God to help your children. Oh, they may be in a public school. And they may be affected by certain things that go on in the school and certain things that are taught that you're not able to overcome. But I'm telling you, you can go ahead and begin teaching them the Bible at home and have them in Sunday school and children's church here at Calvary Baptist to help them learn the ways of God. And you can overcome like Noah did with his children. Raise them up to a place where they'll come and make a decision for themselves, I want to follow God. Could I say to you parents today, one of the greatest things you can do is lead your children into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I'm glad today that all three of my children have made a profession of faith in Christ and they know Christ as their Savior and what a joy it is for my wife and I to know that particular thing. And our joy is as we walk through and we see our children make decisions for the Lord, what a wonderful thing it is, but... How important as you are, some of you right now are in the throes of it and raising your children, guide them in the things of God. Today, you may be a grandparent and you have already raised your children. Maybe you've got a great influence with your grandchildren. I want to encourage you today, use that influence to guide them to the things of God. You say, well, I don't know where my line is drawn. I don't know where I can step in. Well, look, your children will tell you when to stop, you know. but just start, start giving them the gospel if they're not saved. Share with them the good news of Christ. If they get saved, go ahead and encourage them about church and do all you can with the influence that you have as a grandparent to guide these children in the ways of God. So in these verses, we see Noah's character and his contemporaries, but I want you to notice his calling. Look here at verse 13, God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me. The earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy the earth. Now notice verse 14, Noah, make thee an ark of gopher wood. We're going to see next time that we come together that Noah builds this ark and we're going to talk about the ark and the flood and all those things. But God calls Noah to do something for him, Now I'd like you to do me a favor and I'd like you to go ahead and turn to the book of Hebrews because I'd like to look at Hebrews chapter 11 verse number 7 and see the New Testament commentary and how the writer of Hebrews fills in some of the blanks of what we may not see in the book of Genesis. The book of Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse number 7. hebrews chapter 11 verse 7 let me read this verse by faith noah being warned of god of things not seen as yet moved with fear prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith I want you to notice this phrase here, because we don't read these things in Genesis, but how beautiful it is that the Scriptures dovetail together. What Hebrews writes, we see how it, it explains even further what the book of Genesis tells us. But I want you to notice the phrase, being warned of God. I can imagine Noah looking around and seeing everything one morning he's sitting down reading the local newspaper drinking his coffee looking at everything that's going on in the society around him and thinking man this is this is terrible god's got to do something methuselah is getting older he's ready to kick the bucket and god comes to him and god warns him noah the end is near and I'm calling you to go ahead and build an ark. And here's the way I'm going to judge the world, that I'm going to cause it to rain. I know that that's not happened at this point. There's going to be a flood and people are going to understand it. And you're going to build an ark, but I want you to go ahead and take this task. And Noah at this point, as the Hebrew writer says, was warned of God of what was going to happen. He was called of God and he followed God. Now, can I say if you're going to be warned of God or if you're going to be called of God, you've got to be in a place where God's going to be calling. Now, I'm talking to a Sunday night crowd here tonight who is being faithful at coming to the Sunday evening services, but how sad it is how many times people miss church services. And they go, well, i got family coming in town, or I've got this going on, or... I'm going to stay home because I've got this happening, and I'm not going to come to church and various other things. But I want to tell you something, how important it is to be in the house of God and to hear the preaching of the Word of God. Because as I have been a, a preacher now for almost 30 years, as I've been a born-again Christian for more than that, I have watched through church services how God in the various ch- services has called people to be a missionary. God has called people to be a preacher. God has raised people up for a test. But why? Because they were sitting in a church listening to the preaching of God's Word, and God said, I want you, and I'm calling you. But when you don't come and you just bail on God and you think, well, once a week is fine and it's okay if I just go to church here and there, I'm going to tell you something, you may never get a big call from God. But Noah was right in the place where when God warned him and he came through with a call, Noah says, I'm here, God. He was warned of God. But notice he responded to God's call. Look at what it says in verse number seven. He was moved with fear and he prepared an ark. Now have you thought about the monumental task that was? What a huge task to build an ark. Not only was the ark huge, but the amount of time it took to build it. And then think about this. The Bible doesn't tell us, and I don't think it was that arduous of a task. But imagine now collecting all these animals and bringing them into the ark. What a massive undertaking. And yet God gave grace and God helped Noah to do this. But outside of Noah's family, Noah really, in doing this, and preparing the ark, Noah is alone in his beliefs and practices. He prepared an ark. But I want to tell you something. As that ark began to take shape, do you think people noticed it? Sometimes we're afraid of doing something for God and we don't want to make it known. And we hide it to ourselves and we keep it by just hidden and we don't talk about it, we don't discuss it, and we think to ourselves, well, I don't know if God called me. I want to tell you something. When Noah was called by God and began preparing the ark, it was a visible sign of his belief in God. And everybody walked by, imagine the criticism that Noah received. Imagine the ridicule that came his way. Hey, Noah, how do you plan to get that thing down to the water? A flood? What's a flood? Oh, come on, Noah, why would God want to destroy everything that he had made? Or I'm sure people walk by and just were like, Noah, you're crazy. That's what I think about you. You're just a crazy old man. But I want to tell you something. Noah prepared an ark. He took that call from God and he let his beliefs be known. God may be calling some of you right now, and you're scared of what God's calling. But I want to encourage you, let it be known to others. Have others start praying with you. Start sharing with others what God is doing in your life. And despite all the opposition, despite all the criticism, Noah submitted himself to God's call in his life. The next time, as I have made mention and alluded to already, we're going to go ahead and talk more specifically about the flood and about the ark in which Noah built. But suffice to say, God used one man to fulfill this task. In this sad day that we read about, in this awful day that we touched on in Genesis chapter 6, God called a man who had found favor with God and followed God's will for his life. and God was able to use him. And I want to say that in our day, a sad and awful day in which we live, no doubt it is, God is still calling for people to follow Him. Could I ask you this question? Are you available for God in these times? Are you available for God? Oh, I know we complain about what's going on right now. We say, oh my, how wicked things are and how bad things are. And yes, they are. But how much worse, and I, I, I have no way of comparing, but when I read about Noah's society, I think to myself, Noah's society was pretty bad. It was awful. I mean, awful to the point that God said, all right, the ends, the ends come, to, come, and I'm going to destroy the earth. But in these times... As wicked and as corrupt as they are, God's calling for people. God's looking for people in the workplace where you are to stand up for Him. God's looking for people to go out and share the gospel wherever they go. God's looking for preachers to step in the ranks. God's looking for Sunday school teachers. God's looking for people to step up and be a leader in the church. God's looking for people to follow whatever call it is. And he's calling today. Are you listening? Are you heeding?